Hello and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live at Love Walk. And I am your host, Leela Winston. I pray that you are well and God is blessing your life. Um, and I pray that you are studying and in your Bible and believing the Lord for goodness in your life. Um, and so I want to encourage you guys, as you know, we uh, go into the Word of God to learn, to study, and to practically apply it, and of course to learn the goals and purpose of our life. And um, part of what we do here is we also have a series called Letters to God. And so we're going to look right now um, at this very interesting subject. I think it's one that... Um, that concerns everyone in the world. There's no one out there who does not face this situation. And, you know, as a believer, I have taught on this subject in the past. Um, many years ago um, when I was, you know, uh, in an other state and so forth and things like that when I was very young and, you know, as I've grown, the message remains the same in the Bible and of course, you know, it just grows stronger, the truth of God's Word. So what we're going to do is go into the Word of God. This is especially true. You'll need it every day of your life. Everyone needs it regardless of whether they are a believer or not, but if you're a believer, then you want to take especially good note so go ahead and grab your bible and we're going to go into the word of god and we're going to talk about something that a lot of people don't talk about and that is the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation this is really really a very huge thing and i'm going to go ahead and read from matthew chapter 18 this is going to be our anchor text so grab your bible and turn to matthew chapter 18 and we're going to read from verse 16 all the way until verse 17. So it's only three scriptures, but I think it's packed for a lot of information and we're gonna pull everything together uh, as we understand what is the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. So let's read. Moreover, if your brother shall trespass against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he shall hear you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, then take with you one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall, not, if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he neglects to hear the church, let him be to you as a heathen man or a publican. So this is a really interesting uh, piece of scripture. It talks about how the you know believer is supposed to deal with you know uh, someone who has trespassed against them, someone who has committed some sort of offense. And I don't think we can live in our world without committing offenses or trespasses. Let's just be frank and honest you're going to commit offenses and others are going to commit offenses against you if we're 100 percent okay we're going to do it knowingly and we're going to do it unknowingly but nevertheless we're going to be doing it. so it's going to be really important for us to understand the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation because both of those things are things that we're going to have to use in our toolkit and i like to think of you know letters to god as a way for us to look at a toolkit of things we can use as believers um, and grow so it's important to understand what is forgiveness what does it mean to forgive forgiveness is when you in your heart release someone of the wrong they have done 
this can be done without saying a word. I think this is something people, you know, take for granted. They think if after they forgive someone, they have to run and throw their arms around the person or they have to declare it to the moon. Forgiveness isn't like that. You can go to the person and tell them that you have forgiven them. That's absolutely plausible. I've done it myself. But you can also forgive just in your heart. Sometimes it's not even a good idea to do it. You know, let's say it was someone who did something pretty nasty or violent. It might not be safe to even tell them that or safe to even approach them again. Or maybe it's someone who's engaged in something pretty nefarious. It may not be a good idea for you to walk up to that person and say, I forgive you for it. It just may be a good idea for you to forgive them in your heart. So it's important to understand forgiveness is when in your heart you release someone of the wrong that they have done this can be done without saying a word now what is reconciliation reconciliation is quite different and this is where a lot of believers get it confused they think well if i've forgiven someone then obviously that means our relationship is going to go back to the way it was before this is where people don't typically understand the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation Reconciliation is when two parties mend their relationship and go back to fellowship as it had been before the break or before the offense or the wound, okay? So reconciliation is when two parties are able to mend, they're able to fix what went wrong and go back to fellowship as it had been before the break or the offense. Remember, if the fellowship wasn't good before the offense, reconciliation really can't occur in that way. They'd probably have to get back to the way they were before and then work on trying to build a real relationship that was good. But remember that the fellowship wasn't good before the offense, reconciliation cannot cure that. Reconciliation restores what was broken. It doesn't create it. It's about restoration. If you look at the word reconciliation, the R-E on the front tells you you're doing something again. Reconcile, concile, bringing people together, coming back together. If you never were together before, you really can't reconcile, you know what I mean? And that's an important aspect people do not take into account. People always get the two confused and Christians often are at the head of the line. And I used to be one, let me tell you, I was chief um, because we do not understand and we often confuse forgiveness and reconciliation because we don't quite really understand what Christ has done for us on the cross. And that's really the bottom line about, you know, uh, I would say about understanding the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation is that it underscores how a lot of believers really aren't taught the meat and potatoes. And, you know, I don't know why this is, you know, maybe it's just that you have to study your Bible, but it really is to understand what Christ has literally done for you. If you understand that, you'll understand the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. So let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. It says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Christ is mediating between mankind which is the guilty party, that's us, and God, the injured party, okay? So let's look at what he did and how forgiveness and reconciliation works, okay? Forgiveness only requires one party. So it's important for you to understand when the Lord decided, says, 
for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So he has pre-forgiven. <laughs> you know, he's forgiven the whole world. The whole world is forgiven. So that's important to understand. Forgiveness only requires one party. And it only requires the injured party. That's it. Okay, reconciliation is different. It requires both parties. They have to both be on the same page and both be determined to do it. Forgiveness is something that you give, but for reconciliation to occur, it must be requested. The, the, the person who did the wrong has to request it. That's why we have to come to Christ and say, Lord, forgive us of our my sins, even though he's already forgiven us. Think about that. He's already forgiven us, and we have to go to him and say, forgive us of our sins, I repent, and, you know, that kind of thing. It's important to understand that both parties must want to be involved in repairing the breach. And this is really important for us as believers and as royal priests because we act as mediators as well with the world. We are here. It says that we are the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling the world to Christ. And how do we do that? We're showing them what Christ requires. And when they see that, when they're understanding that as they're moving forward, that the Lord can love them, he can change them, he requires holiness and pureness and et cetera, et cetera then that's a reconciliation, whether it's in word, whether it's in deed. A lot of people think you have to be out preaching and telling people everything. No, you could just live your life and you're showing people what they need to do to live right and to be reconciled. Remember, living right, we're not just doing it because it's fun. Let's face it, there's some bad things that are pretty fun, but we're living right because we are now reconciling to God. We're not doing those things that hurt the Father. So we have to agree first on the offense. So do you remember when we read in Matthew chapter 18, 16 to 17 in our anchor text? It read, it says, if your brother shall trespass against you, go and tell him his fault. Okay, so he, you have to go there and tell him his fault. He has to agree with you. That's the only way that it's going to change. If he doesn't fundamentally agree that he's done anything wrong, then nothing really has changed. And I see this in a lot of people. They think that because they've forgiven someone of a particular offense, that that person has also reconciled over that offense. If that person doesn't see that as an offense or has no intention of stopping doing what it is that they're doing, you know, they don't really, you don't really have reconciliation. So even though this refers to forgiveness and reconciliation between believers, we can see the applications in other areas, okay? Both parties must be in agreement about the offense and the reconciliation. These are some very important things. When we come to Christ, and we are repenting, we're telling him, you're right and I'm wrong. You're right, I need to be, I need to live like this. I need to follow your word, I'm changing. We are coming into agreement with what he said the offense is. When we're not, we're in rebellion. The Bible says we're in rebellion. So it's important to understand that if you're going to, if I'm going to, let's say I stepped on your shoe or you know, I took something from you or something like that, I have to agree that that is actually what I did to you before we can start talking about reconciling, even if you forgive me. <laughs> you might forgive me totally for whatever it is that I've done, but until I can agree with you on what it is that I've done to you, we cannot move toward reconciliation. So 
Remember, in reconciliation, the sin must be confessed by the offender and forsook. That is how fellowship is restored. And that is how we come to Christ, right? We have to, you know, uh, confess our sins to Christ. It's very interesting how that, you know, our interaction with Christ is really telling us how to interact with others and how others must interact with us in order for us to have harmony. As if there has to be a level of saying, you know what, yeah, you're right. I did something wrong. I have to agree with you in that. And we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. It says, he that covers his sins shall not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. See, there's that thing of confessing again, of, of being in agreement with what went wrong or what was done wrong. That has to be done on the part of the offender in order for reconciliation to occur. It doesn't have to be done for forgiveness to occur, but it does need to happen for reconciliation to happen. There's another one. Let's look at 1 John chapter 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So not only do we have a promise that if we confess our sins, that he you know, will not strike us down, but that he will also forgive us and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's huge. We as believers have that, we can take hold on that, but we can also apply that in our own relationships. In order for that offense to really move away and it becomes something where we have reconciliation there has to be that point of confession of sin confession of the offense okay so in forgiveness if the injured party forgives it doesn't mean the offender will stop sinning or committing the wrong it just means that you have forgiven that is all there has not been a change on the part of the offender Repentance is required for real reconciliation to occur. And we tempt God when we put ourselves back into dangerous or unwise positions when we accept someone back who has not repented or confessed. That is to turn from the offense, to change the behavior and offer redress for the infraction. Reconciliation doesn't exist if you don't make things right or change the bad behavior. Many tempt God just because they have forgiven someone, yet no reconciliation has occurred. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, Satan said, cast yourself off the mountain so God will save you. That is tempting God, seeking for God to rescue us from a dangerous situation or result that we could have avoided without divine intervention is tempting. So in reconciliation, there must be redress. We have to remember that. When people think of reparations, when they think about you know, paying someone back, when they think of paying their debt to society, or when they think about whatever it may be, there has to be some kind of redress of what went wrong. There must be change on the part of the one doing wrong. If someone is stealing, if they're cheating, if they haven't stopped, then that's your answer right there. A lot of people don't want to get super holy. You know what I mean? Well, I believe in faith that, you know, said individual, you know, who continues to keep doing some kind of, you know, behavior that is wrong is, is going to come to God. Maybe they will come to God. They might come to God on their deathbed. You have no idea. 
But the point is, is that if you put yourself back into that situation, you are not standing in faith and you are not creating a situation of reconciliation because you can forgive, but they have to confess and determine to make an about face and turn from that level of offense. Okay. So you don't need to keep asking if you should reconcile with someone who has not confessed the offense or determined to turn from it because you can't. You actually can't. They haven't changed their stealing or their cheating or whatever wickedness. They haven't attempted to make things right. And you know, there there's plenty of Bible verses that talk about this. In Philemon, I wanna bring us to the book of Philemon and we've done some studies in that, but in Philemon, Paul pleads with his brother to accept back this guy called Onesimus who had committed an offense against Philemon. Paul offered to pay back and he lost by offering redress and he even testified that, you know, Onesimus had changed behavior, but without redress and changed behavior, repentance cannot happen. It cannot be, I'm sorry, reconciliation cannot happen. The two parties and groups or individuals must come together. And so even though Paul is saying all this about Onesimus, he really is, you know, sort of standing in, you know, the place of Onesimus, trying to convince his brother. So we have to understand that sometimes it's difficult. The, even the person who has been offended, even if they forgive, they have to be also in a place to want to reconcile. Two parties or groups, they can come together, but the original offense must be addressed many people think they have reconciled when really they've only come together and sometimes often for a short period because the bad behavior or the area of loss actually will resurface again and that's the thing if there's been no actual change in that individual to determine or to agree that this was the offense and that i will not be doing it then you know there is not reconciliation and then let's understand forgiveness a little bit in forgiveness nothing may be made right except the offended person's heart and that's really what forgiveness is about it's about you that is why they say unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die always forgive i'm going to tell you since being a believer i forgive people quickly because i know the importance of keeping my soul fresh and alive and vibrant and joyful and so i can forgive you and never see you again and be totally fine with that because i have done my part you can never you know apologize to me never change your behavior continue to be whatever it is it's fine it isn't about the other person it's about me being right before god okay remember that you can forgive plenty of people and still maintain a safe boundary if their behavior hasn't changed they haven't asked for forgiveness or even attempted to make things right there is no option for reconciliation if that person isn't trying to do that. Christ requires us to lay down our lives for him. That means give him our life. This is reconciling with God. We're giving him our life because he gave his life to pay for our offense or sin, and he has given us forgiveness if we act on it. It is an act of the will. Remember, Christ has already forgiven the entire world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You can read that in John 3, 16. 
But the only way to accept that forgiveness is to turn from the offense, from the sin, from the wrongdoing, and give your life to Christ and change the behavior entirely. You can find this in Acts chapter 3 verse 19 and also Acts 17.30. I just want to give you some scriptures you can dig into. Remember, God describes himself as shrewd in the Bible. I want you to remember this part here. So he believes in keeping contracts and agreements. God keeps his word and his believers must as well. That is why he had to go to such lengths to redeem us. He couldn't break his own rules or fail to keep his own word. In John 1, in St. John verse 1, uh, in St. John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, God is his word. So if he ever lied or violated his word, he would cease to exist. So he went to the cross for us to be right with him. We must keep our end of the bargain too. Someone had to pay that price. Someone had to die a horrible death. Someone had to go to hell for the offenses of mankind. It could have been us, but he decided to do that. Because that had to happen in order to make the offense right, he decided to do that for us. And that is why we give him our life, okay? He has created a way for us to do that through Christ. So we have to return first. Zechariah 1 and 3 tells us that we need to draw near to God first and he will draw near to us. Do you want to be reconciled to God? Do you want to be reconciled to your brother, to your neighbor, to your cousin, to whatever? There is that point of you saying, you know what, I did this thing wrong. Let me make it right. That is how we do that. It is we, the offenders, who must draw near first. We, who have done something wrong, it's okay. We're all human. We all make mistakes. We all do things that perhaps we shouldn't have done, but we can always make it right. And that is the beauty of God, is just how magnificent and loving he is. But I want you to understand the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness is an individual decision. Reconciliation is a mutual decision between two parties or however many parties were offended. It has to be all involved and they all have to agree on what it is that they are reconciling regarding. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I pray this has given you some understanding on what forgiveness is and what reconciliation is. Yes, you can forgive your third grade school teacher who might have you know violated you as a child but does that mean you're going to put yourself back in a situation no in in fact it may not even mean that you you may even prosecute that person or have them they may go to prison that may be the best thing to save other people from that kind of pain but the point is is that you forgive reconciliation these other things these are mutual things that can only be done if the offender wants to as well and of course the offended so i pray that you are blessed and i pray that you can use this in your relationships as you go know that it's okay to forgive someone and see whether they'll come around sometimes people do sometimes they don't but that's fine as long as your heart is free and that is what i believe and that is what i hope for you as a believer that your heart will be free you will forgive people you will move on you might have to go to you know 
get things corrected, you know, there might be issues, but even so, you've already forgiven them. And hopefully, they'll come around themselves and they will make things right with you. But even if that never happens, make sure your heart is right with God. So I want to thank you so much for tuning in and I pray that God blesses you. Bye.